The first reading this morning is from 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. And I apologize, I don't have a page number. Um, if someone has that, feel free to shout it out. Just to give you a little bit of context, since it's only a couple of verses, um, this is a story about Elisha, and he's in the midst of a war uh, with the king of Syria. So there's a, there's a lot going on uh, before and after these couple of verses. But Second um, Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. When the servant of the man of God, Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Our second reading is Ephesians 6. We're going to read um, verses 10 through 20, and this is on page 979 in the Pew Bible. Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The very word of God. And our last reading is from Joshua 1, uh, 1 through 9, and that's on page 178 of the Pew Bibles. And it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the very word of God. You, uh, I was about to say you cannot imagine, but I know that you can imagine the joy that it, um, that it gives my heart to see my son-in-law reading scripture. Because I remember um, when, before Chelsea was born, I was crying out to God not only for um, a precious child, but, but beginning even then, to cry out, God, and, and set apart for her. Because somewhere out there, there's another child being born. Somewhere out there, there's another person that, um, that one day you're going to bring together and, uh, and make a family. And uh, it brings us such joy. Karen and I, to, um, to see and be reminded that God is good. Amen? Uh, oh, there's oftentimes when we didn't pray, when we didn't strategically enter into partnership with God, and, and oftentimes when we made choices that, that we bore consequences from. And, and God is gracious and was able to redeem even those, those times. I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed with this partnership that God invites us into. He is alive, amen? He is working in this world. But since Jesus went back to be with the Father to intercede for us, we have been the presence of Christ in the world. There will come a time, I alluded to it earlier, when he comes back, and I can't wait for that day. I, I say that, and I know that there will be a lot of sorrow as that day comes for those who haven't yet risked believing and trusting in him. But what a glorious day that will be when, when creation is finally brought back to its original design, when, when God is sovereign, if you'll excuse me, over his garden, right? And, and, uh, and we live in... The, the constant presence and glory of the Lord. Until that day, beloved, we are his instruments. Until that day, we are the ones who proclaim. We are the ones who live by example. We are the ones who are asked to stand in the gap. To stand firm. Did you hear that five times? Stand firm. Be courageous. So God, we can't do this on our own. But we heard your word, God, and we believe that you grant us everything we need to live the life to which you've called us. And God, I rejoice already for the generational changes that are happening in families because someone, a woman or a man or a husband and wife, believe together, God, that, that your word is true and they lived into your future. But God, we need you to speak today. We are in very real trials. We are in very real challenges and we need you to speak to us. I pray that the words, God, of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be faithful to your word, God. Would bring you much joy. Would be an offering acceptable to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Well, wow, let's get right to it. I, I was apologizing to some people earlier just to, in terms of uh, flying at 35,000 feet is really hard. It's, it was, it's hard. Um, and, and on the one hand, you get the big picture. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you miss some of the gems, some of the beautiful little practical applications. And we're going to fly over a lot of practical applications today. Uh, and so I just want to urge you one more time. Take these passages, which are 35,000 feet, and, and, then, and then swoop down. Swoop down to ground level for just a second. Take a very small portion of it. We're going to hit all kinds of pieces of armor today, but, but camp on one of them and let God's Holy Spirit invite you into a deeper understanding of His Word. But then, but then see where it fits in. At 35,000, come back up to 35,000 feet and see the big picture. Because God is moving and his word is being fulfilled. And, and he today is still echoing Jesus' words while he was on earth praying, the Lord, the harvest, to send workers into the field, right? The harvest is ready. The problem is not that God hasn't made a harvest. The problem is that his servants aren't willing to go out into the field and partner with him in bringing in the harvest. Well, let's start. We've been looking. Our, our, our core passage today is Ephesians 6. We know this as the armor of God passage. And that can be a really good thing or it can be a really bad thing. I resonate with Chad who says uh, lots of times these passages take me back to those flannel graphs, right? Um, and, and I got lost in the flannel graph rather than in understanding it. But, but hear the word of God again as if for the very first time. And here is the reality. Here's the 35,000 foot reality for us. We are constantly in life and death battles. We are in constantly... I was a military brat. I, I did not like um, the military imagery for everything. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I had some uh, underlying resentments about the the cost that my family paid for, for uh, serving our country in, in the military. But, but the reality is true that, that there are wars being waged for people's souls, right? And, and, and all around us, we can see that. We can see that in the news. All you had to do was watch the news, the local news last night, and, and you can see some of the battlegrounds where, where uh, our the world, our own flesh, and the evil one are battling to take away what God has set apart for you. So, so borrow with me for a moment that battle imagery and, and believe that the war is raging. Understand that it takes many forms, okay? These battles take many forms. We won't camp on these, but, but certainly sometimes it is, it is just purely physical. Some of you are in that situation. You are physically under attack. And, 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 and it, it is, it is, takes all your strength. It takes all your confidence. It takes all your hope just to get up the next morning to continue. We have a couple in the hospital right now battling for them, their lives physically, right? We're used to thinking about those kinds of things. We're not quite as used to thinking about the relational issues, the emotional battles that we get in. But all it can take is, is a crossword, and all of a sudden you find yourself in broken relationship. And, and it's so easy to protect your heart and just withdraw from the battle, right? Uh, but, but God is not just about your heart. It's about the heart of the other person as well. And God has challenged you enter into that. 
take all the resources that we'll learn about today and enter back into those emotional battles and be God's instrument of reconciliation and hope. But today especially, I want to talk about this third area um, because a lot of us live as if we don't believe that it exists. And, and this third area are the spiritual battles. Did you hear the Apostle Paul? He said, our struggle is not against people, right? It's not with flesh and blood, but against rulers. And again, we start to think of politicians, but he's not thinking of that. He says, against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is this whole other dimension that is going on all around us. And, and the Apostle Paul is inviting us into it. I just want to remind you of one thing. We broke out the categories. First Thessalonians 5 says that you need to be thinking in terms of your body, in terms of your soul, and in terms of your spirit, right? And we're pretty good at thinking about in terms of our bodies. We're not so good at guarding our souls. And we're very, usually not good at all about guarding our spirits, and in Ephesians chapter 2, we saw that, that Paul, who also wrote 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, explained that. He says, he says, you need to know this. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Remember this from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, in which you once walked following the course, and here's that category, of the world, right? And he said, and also following the prince of power of the air. And when we were in that passage, we recognized that's another name for the adversary, for the devil, for the evil one. And we wrestled with that. Most of us live as if we did not believe that there was an evil one. Uh, I don't have any problem with Jesus, Pastor Dave, but, but don't talk to me about uh, some devil with little horns or something like that. Um, Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus battled Satan constantly, constantly. And so, so um, the prince of the power of the air is a real thing. And he says also, the spirit which is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh. And, and Paul uh, says there's this other obstacle. Now, I want to separate slightly with you again your body and this word that he's using there because he's really not speaking about the, the physical battles that I spoke of earlier. He's talking about this war that is raging within us between uh, our, our sinful nature and our redeemed nature. Are you following me? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you have been made new. But like that, that Japanese soldier who for 20 years continued to fight World War II on an island in the Philippines, right? Not believing that the war was over, the evil one continues, though he's already lost the war, the evil one continues to engage us even though we've already won the victory in Christ. So keep that in mind because his strategies for us are different than you might expect. But Paul says, um, Paul says we need to be aware that we're fighting on the physical, emotional, and spiritual front. We need to recognize on the spiritual front that we're fighting against uh, our own sinful nature, against the world um, around us, and, and the cultural values that are attacking us, and 
also in this spiritual realm uh, as well. So we are constantly in these life and death battles. But secondly, the Lord has made available to you. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, the Lord has made available to you everything you need to engage in this warfare, to engage in the fight. What what do we mean? What does he tell us? What has God given us? He has made his strength. He's made his strength. It always matters which emphasis you put, doesn't it? His strength available to you. Now, many of you are so gifted and you are, you are, are so uh, physically, many of you, um, many of you emotionally and even spiritually strong, right? But the danger is that we will rely on our strength rather than his, right? Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Right? Ephesians 6.10. You must be strong in Him. In Him. In fact, the hard lesson for the Apostle Paul, right? In 1 Corinthians, for some reason that's not sounding right, maybe 2 Corinthians 12.9 is, is that it was actually, his strength was a hindrance. Paul was an amazingly strong man and he says, I count that all as loss in Philippians for the sake of the Gospel, right? And again, when, when he cried out to God in his weakness, God said, it's, it's your weakness that is my strength, right? Three times I asked, Lord, remove this thorn from me. Imagine either a physical, emotional, or spiritual thorn. Remove this thorn. He says, but my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. So he has made strength available to us, but it must be his strength. And at some point you must employ his mighty power. It, it, we don't, it, they translated that in English that way, but it really is this power, power. That's all what he says. He just kind of emphasizes it doubly. Right? Truly, truly, I say this is power, power, right? Power squared. You must employ his mighty power. And again, many of us, our minds go to Philippians 4. Again, another uh, book written by the same author. I can do all things, right? I, is it finished there? Does it end there? No. What? Through, through Him in, in Philippians 4, but we know that Him is Christ through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we must rely on His strength. He's made His strength available to us. But He's also made His armor available to us, right? He's made His armor put on, Paul said. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. But here's how you partner with Him. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And this morning, I was wanting so bad to just go into that. But let me just remind you of other teachings and another day you will have a chance to do that together. Um, Satan is not original. The strategies that he used in Genesis 3 in the garden, he uses today, Right? He's not original. And, and, and when you become aware of his schemes, then you can employ the resources God has given you against them, right? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're going to see that word stand over and over and over again today. It's surprising the strategy of the Lord for his believers 
centers on this one word. Well, what is this armor? Again, each of these is worthy of a day of your life to just dwell on it. And, and I think even as you hear them again today, you'll recognize how in our culture at this time, these are amazing gifts of God, right? What am I talking about? Truth, right? He's using imagery. Keep in mind, Paul is in prison, right? And imprisonment for Paul is not, don't picture Vanderburg County Jail. He's probably in a home. He's chained to a Roman soldier, right? And the Roman soldier uh, is wearing the Roman, or the Roman outfit, which, which has the very things that Paul is speaking of. Now, Isaiah spoke, God through Isaiah spoke in this imagery. So Paul had that in his mind. But he took the two pieces of armor from Isaiah and expanded them to uh, an amazing vision of what we can do every day, the way we every day can dress for the battle God has before us. He says, put on the belt of truth. Um, it's no accident, is it, that you can't, you can't turn on the TV and find truth, no matter what your, your political persuasion is, right? It's astounding the, uh, the reality in which we live in. How do we know what truth is? For the longest time, we had a reasonable chance of turning on Walter, right? Walter Cronkite or somebody, and we could trust that person. But in situation after situation, we've discovered you can't trust the world or the media around you uh, to give you truth. Uh, if you're new at this, at some point you've got to say, where do I go for truth? And my commendation to you would be, go to God's Word. I know that's a step of faith. I know, just because there's lots of other holy books out there, and I don't go to them for truth. So I understand completely why you would say, uh, you know, I'm not sure, Pastor Dave, that that's truth. I just ask you to risk believing it. When we are opening God's Word together at all of that, um, we assume that there will be people in various stages of beliefs, right? And so we, we ask ourselves, you know, what is this word saying? And then we ask ourselves, if I believed it to be true, if, if I believed it to be true, what would I then need to do? And what we've discovered, it's been so awesome, is that as we risk believing God's word to be true, We've had marriages restored. We've had people's eternities changed. We've had family trees changed as a result, right? So truth is this amazing, uh, amazing gift. And God just invites you to put that on. Notice that he says daily. Those Roman soldiers didn't sleep in their armor, right? At some point they took it off and they rested in the reality that their commander had control of the situation. And every night when you lay your head down, you take off your armor, as it were. You rest in God's presence saying, God, I still got a lot of concerns, but I'm trusting you for those. But when you wake up, having been physically, emotionally, and spiritually, not just rested, but in a sense regenerated, then, then God says, let's put it back on, okay? You're going to need truth today. You're going to need it. What else are we going to need? We're going to, we're going to need, besides just truth, we're going to need right relationships. We're going to need righteousness. 
That righteousness is a free gift of God to us and the only one who ever lived in perfect relationship. But we need to follow the example of Christ and be in right relationship first with God, right? Found only through faith in the righteous one, Jesus Christ, but also with one another. And over and over again, Jesus encouraged us, you don't understand the weakness that you take upon yourself when you choose to live in broken relationships, certainly with God. But even a lot of us who like to think that we're in right relationship with God through Jesus and choose to live in broken relationship with someone else, right? Um, Righteousness. Put it on, he says. And did you, notice, did you notice where that piece went, right? Righteousness, your relationships are your heart. Protect your heart. Protect your heart. Put on truth. Put on righteousness. Put on peace. He says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I want so bad to, to read into this. That, that, uh, that we need to be ready to go with the gospel. And, I, and that's certainly true in Scripture. We need to be ready. But that's not what he's saying here, as best I can understand it. What he's saying here is you need to first be shod with peace yourself, right? There, there is a readiness for what God has in store for you that comes from being at peace, being in right relationships with other people and experiencing that peace. The gospel... God created you, informed you, made you beautiful. You fell, but, but, um, but that's not the end of the story. God intervened to redeem you, and you can be restored. You can become a new creation. The gospel brings peace. Put on peace. Put on faith as well. And we're used to this. What is this faith that he's talking about, right? Well, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things not seen. We don't, we're not there yet. Jesus hasn't come again yet, but we can live as if he has. We're going to see this in our next series when we, we camp out on, on John the Baptist's message. You know, the kingdom of God is not only near, it's here. It is here right now. You can live as if it has already happened. It takes faith, yes. But, but you can live in the kingdom right now. And as you do that, you come to that place where you say, even if you just borrowed wisdom and truth initially, said, I'm gonna, if I believe that to be true, at some point you discover it to be true. Now it's not a great leap of faith, right? How many of you, like me, have, have lived in light of the gospel now, some of us for decades, right? Has God's word ever failed you? Now, maybe you didn't get what you wanted, but later on you discovered why you didn't get, right? And you've come to that point where you can trust God's word. You've come to that point where you can believe it. And now it's not, now it's not an experiment for you. Now you have come to that point where you put your trust fully in God who still speaks. And Scripture uses this word, salvation. You have been saved by faith, by grace, through faith in particular, right? You've been saved. Put it on. 
put it on every day, right? Uh, uh, are you uh, um, a sinner condemned forever to live in the consequences of your choices and other people's choices for you? No, you're not. You are a child of God who's been saved by grace. You are saved. Live into that identity, right? Put it on like a helmet, right? And, and, and I'm tempted to go there. I don't know if Paul was going there for that reason, but to get, that, that just changes the way you think. It protects the way that you think about yourself and about the people around you. Take the helmet of salvation. And he says, and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is Scripture. Take it. God has given you that. And, and the implication is to put it on daily, right? Put it on daily. There are myriad ways that you can approach Scripture. But, but He just invites you, risk doing that on a daily basis. I know we'd like to just personally invite you to a deeper exploration of Scripture. You hear a lot of buzzwords going around. Soaps, remember that? Discovery Bible studies. There's just so many ways that you can enter into a deeper relationship with Scripture. But Paul says that that's, that Word of God is the sword that the Spirit uses to both defend and to do battle. And I'm going to push the imagery to do surgery on us as well. I don't know. Pastor Dave, again, I, I, there's all kinds of people claiming that, that their book is the holy book. I just want you to hear again how God's word, the Bible, describes itself. All Scripture, the same man Paul wrote to his, his, um, the one he was discipling, Timothy. All Scripture is God-breathed, NIV, or breathed out by God and, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for helping you know what is right, for, for, for checking you when you start to step outside the boundaries, for correction, for getting you back on the right track, and, and for training in this righteousness to which you've been called. God has given you His Word for that. Are you putting it on? Are you putting it on daily? Again, we, we have to rely on God's strength, but we also have to rely on the weapons that He's given us for engagement here. He has given you His strength. He has made His armor available to you. But I love this part. He's made His army available to you as well. I've been so blessed by by the testimonies of people here in the last few weeks as they've risked. And it seems like it's a chain. I can't quite put my finger on it, but something happens one week and God prompts someone and, and they respond and, and, and tell his story or their story. And then that prompts five other people. And then they, they start thinking and, and, and all of a sudden we realize that God is living. He is active. He is moving and he's changing my life, right? We, we, have been placed within an army of believers. And who, as we mutually uh, obey God's Word, as we mutually live out the Christ life, it's a great encouragement to one another. I don't know if, if, um, if women are used to using that imagery, but in our men's groups, we often use the imagery of lock shields. Have you heard that term before? Uh, for some reason, we use battle imagery. I think it's wired in us, but, but 
we, we recognize that there's a blast zone of our life and, and, and the consequences of our disobedience have generational impact. And so we lock shields. We stand shoulder to shoulder. If you can picture a Roman locking their shield so there's no chance of an arrow of the evil one to get in there. And we stand with one another and encourage one another. We have been given this army of believers to stand for. And each one has particular gifts and abilities that will help you in your journey of faith. But as we saw earlier in our scripture as well, There is another army, a heavenly army of angels that is also moment by moment doing battle with us. Did you hear it? I know it went by really fast early on there, but um, Chad read for us from 2 Kings when the Syrian army had chased down the follower of God, Elisha, had uh, surrounded him in this little town and, and his servant, his knees were knocking so loud everybody could hear. And, and he says to Elisha, um, the disciple of Elijah, he says, look, look, we're surrounded, right? And, and Elisha said, oh God, open his eyes, right? Uh, Elisha was seeing something that, that his servant could not see. And God answered Elisha's prayer and he opened his eyes and what he saw, was the army still there? Yes. Yes. Until the Lord comes, the armies are going to surround us. They're going to corner you. The issue is not, are you surrounded? The issue is what's surrounding the armies that surround you. That's a long sentence, but did you follow me? And and the servant's eyes were open and he saw it. And that's where that that famous phrase, chariots of fire, uh, came from. He saw the Lord's army surrounding the other army, right? Now, the, the victory had not yet been won. It's beautiful, by the way. I, I, I don't think I wrote that in your notes, but um, if you didn't write it down earlier, Second Kings 6, um, 15 through 17, it's beautiful to see how that victory was won. My point here is to say all the while the servants' knees were knocking God had already provided a solution. And by the way, it wasn't a gory bloodshed solution. It was a beautiful, grace-filled solution for that army. That army never attacked Israel again. Read the story. It's awesome. So you have this army of believers to lock shields with you in the daily battles that you face. You got it. You got to risk you got to risk opening up. For some reason, we're so afraid of looking weak or looking foolish or looking broken that we won't risk sharing with our fellow warriors um, what is going on in our lives. But when we do, and I was hearing stories even today that that's happening today, when we risk sharing those stories, other people surround us and encourage us. When we risk sharing those stories, other people pray for us and our eyes are open and we see the glorious armies of God that surround our enemies. God has made his army available to you. Well, the Lord has shown you, right, that you live constantly in a battle environment. The Lord has made available to you everything you need to engage in this warfare, right? But the Lord has also shown you how 
you could do it. In our, in our discipleship triads, about 80 of you have done them. One of the reasons the confusion in the scriptures today was that we printed on the screen for you NIV passage that so many of you memorized the NIV version back in the day. And, and um, we read from the ESV, but we showed you the NIV version there. The Lord has shown you in this passage how you can fight your battles. And it's surprising, right? Just like for, for Elisha's servant, he thought, well, great, the army of the Lord, there's going to be a big bloodbath and, and God's going to prove victorious. No, he had a much more grace-filled way to win that battle. But the Lord has commanded you, your strategy. Are you ready for this? Got your armor on? You ready to do this? You ready to get engaged? You don't look like it. You look like you're ready to go to lunch, actually. Um, here's, here's your command warrior of God. Stand firm. Um, uh, 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 but wait, aren't we supposed to like lead the charge and take the hill? No. No. God is the one right, who wins the battles, right? I told you already, the war has already been won, right? He's not asking you to fight. Did you notice? Did you notice about all those pieces of armor? What do they cover? Right? What do all those pieces of armor cover? They cover the front of you, right? Why would that be? <laughs> Why would we be feeling the cool breeze in the back, right? Because the Lord is our rear guard, right? Isaiah 58 8 says, Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord is going to be your rear guard, your job, warrior. Stand firm. Will it mean you'll take some hits? Oh, yes. Probably before lunch today, right? You'll take some hints. But stand firm, right? And see the salvation. I, I skipped it, but Second Chronicles twenty seventeen. She probably flashed it for you. You will not need to fight this battle, right? Stand firm, Second Chronicles. Hold your position. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Your job is to stand as a witness to God's ability to win the battle, right? He's commanded you to stand firm. But what are you doing while you're standing there? Well, probably you're praying for your life, right? It happens naturally, right? I want to encourage you to just take it to the nth degree. He's commanded you to pray as well. Pray. Look at the alls in this sentence. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints, right? He says, pray also for me. He's commanded you to pray. Pray in the Spirit. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a spiritual pygmy and I'm just, just learning this now. What does it mean like to say, God, I don't even know how to pray. But I'm going to enter into your presence and trust that you are going to direct my thoughts, God. That you are going to direct me. There's, there's things going on I'm totally unaware of. But you're not. Show me, God. Show me how to pray. Show me when. Pray in the Spirit, right? And, and I want to take this to the nth degree. Prayer is not the, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer is not the rubby dub dub thanks for the grub, right? Prayer is not something you do 
someone you are. Are you following that? Right? We want to just reduce everything to simple actions. Why? Because then we can check off the box and be done with it, right? And God says, no. I want to be in constant relationship. I want to be in constant communication with you. Pray in the Spirit. Pray at all times, he says. You want to drop to my... No, no. By the way, don't close your eyes when you're praying while you're driving. That never comes out good, okay? Um, but pray all the time. Especially when that no longer uh, little gold um, PT Cruiser cuts you off. If that happens now, tell me that's my daughter driving that car. But now it would probably be a silver 2007 Avalon that cuts you off, okay? Pray for that person, right? Pray for that person, especially. Pray for the, for the employer who's oppressing you. Pray for the neighbor. You just can't pray all the time in all, uh, all circumstances with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I love this. He says, pray with perseverance. Let me just ask you, does God answer your prayers in your timing? How does that work for you? Right? Well, I have, to, I have to say, sometimes God was so gracious. Sometimes, sometimes he, many times, he answered the prayer before I asked it, right? He said, would you hurry up and ask? Because I've already got the solution heading your way, right? But I have to tell you that just as many times um, that prayer wasn't answered uh, in the way that I expected or the timing that I expected. That's why it was so powerful for me to go to one of the, oh, the princes of prayer, to Daniel, both in Daniel 9, that tremendous prayer, but then again in Daniel 10, um, where we see truths about how prayer works. This is what the Lord said, or the angel said to Daniel. He said, uh, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your hearts to understand God's will for your life, parentheses, and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. God heard when you prayed it, right? And I've come. Because of your words, God answers prayer. But look in, look in, in chapter 9, when, when 21 days went by, and I, I say that, like not trying to say that's forever, because some of you have been crying out for 21 years and have not yet received the answer. But take heart from Daniel chapter 9, that the moment that Daniel began to pray in Daniel 9, the, the Lord began to, to um, answer. He sent a messenger uh, don't stumble over air, uh, angels. Don't stumble picturing little fat kids with wings, right? That's not an angel. An angel often looks just like a human being, right? Um, but, but God sent a messenger to Daniel the moment he began praying, and it took 21 days for that messenger to get there. Why? Because there was such evil going on in that culture. The prince of Syria there had, had, had such a victory over the area that that angel had to fight his way into Daniel. Where Daniel was. And it's, uh, it's astounding to me. But but it took 21 days for that angel to get... God heard the moment he prayed. 21 days later, the angel standing in his presence says, God heard, Daniel. God has answered. But there's one here who has amazing power over this culture. And he could say those words to us in America today. Amen. There is evil that has such power over our culture that, that sometimes even when you pray and God says yes, the answer is delayed. So keep praying. Don't give up. 
Pray. Did I ever say the word? I didn't. Pray with perseverance. Pray with perseverance, right? Because God hears the cries of His beloved. And God answers even those who are just seeking Him, who His Holy Spirit has just put that invitation to seek Him. Pray with perseverance. Pray for all the saints. Pray for the ones who are locking shields with you, right? Because it doesn't take too many Civil War movies to realize that that you can have the strongest battle line, right? And the evil one will do an end run around the end. I love the movie Gettysburg, where that one teacher from from uh, the East Coast um, stands. It has the last line. He runs out of bullets, right? And rather than running he away from the battle, he runs into the battle and saves the line saves the the battle, saves, in a sense, the war as a result. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I'm just a babe at this, but I'm committed myself to praying for you, you who call yourself saints. And, and, and I have divided up our church directory, and I just, I just pray for each of you twice a month. I dedicate a day. to I'm going to keep these six people, God, in the forefront of my prayers. And you call me, and I will, I will go to battle with you. I will, I will fight for you, but I need you to fight for me. I need to, you to fight for your fellow warriors in the pews with you. You don't know what their circumstances are. You don't have to. You can cry out for them and lift them up before our commander. And then Paul says at the very end of that, I love that, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, right, words may be given to me so that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, right? Pray for those who are, are advancing the gospel. Pray for those who are engaging in the warfare. Don't misunderstand, all of us are called to do that. But some of us, as we first take our baby steps, our baby steps might be this, to pray for one another, for those who are advancing the gospel. And brothers and sisters, I, I know that um, you will take hits. I know, I know that, um, well, if, if your commander, Jesus, um, had to suffer in order for the victory to be won, I know that you have to suffer. It might be physically. Um, certainly will be emotionally. I know it will be spiritually as well. Stand firm, beloved. Stand firm. For a lot of reasons, but if you, if you turn and run, you'll be exposed. You'll be vulnerable. Stand in the gap for one another. Pray for one another and remember this profoundest of truths. That the battle has already been won. God has won. This is just mop-up. This is just the, the rantings of one who has lost, trying to cause as much suffering and pain as he can on his way out. The battle has been won. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I... I Look to them. I remember battles that I faced and they surrounded me, God, and believed when I couldn't believe. They prayed for things I thought too astounding to pray for. And the answers to their prayers are in this room right now, God. 
I thank you, God, that, that, that you called us to this journey together. Oh, God, don't let us get complacent. Don't let us, God, just, just become a holy huddle who watches out for one another and forgets, God, that you have meaning and purpose for our lives. Your great desire for us, God, is that your community of faith would grow, that others would hear your story, that others would hear our stories and would risk believing that it could be true for them as well. And God, for those of us who, who have feeble arms and weak knees and don't know, God, if we can go forward right now in Jesus' name, I ask you to fill us with your Spirit. Let us, God, experience your strength. Let us live in your mighty power. And God, grant us the courage, no matter what we face, to stand, to stand boldly, God, believing your word to be true until that day when we see with our eyes what right now we only see with the eyes of our hearts. We love you, God. Pray for the courage to stand in Jesus' name. Amen. We can practice that right now. Will you stand metaphorically and physically as we worship God together?